What's going on, everyone? This is Off the Court. I'm Alec. And I'm Pat. Today's guest is one of the most successful upper division coaches of all time. He's not only won six Navasarian championships, but he's done it at two different chapters. Before coaches were required to wear polos at every game, he was bringing the swag with his throwback uniforms. And uh, after playing for him in Armenia a few years ago, we both realized why he's such a great players coach and consistently gets guys that want to go play for him. Without further ado, today's special guest. Welcome to the show, Carlo Honanian. Welcome. Thank you, Carlo. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Of course. Uh, How's everything been for you during quarantine? Uh, You know, it's been great, actually. Uh, Slow down a little bit. You know, life kind of sometimes throws a brick at you and you kind of slow down and, you know, take a breath enjoy the time with the family you know i'm an optimistic person so make the best out of a negative situation so i got to spend a lot of time with the family that's good and um you know it's, it's good it's you know exactly. looking looking forward to getting back on track though <laughs> yeah definitely definitely yeah. i mean that's great to hear uh, a lot of people probably took this time and uh tried to do something with it so spending more time with family is always good man definitely uh i mean let's get right into it uh, most of the younger generation knows you uh, with your success at Mossies. Uh, they don't know the background of where you started coaching and your success prior to that. So take me back to the early days. Uh, you don't have to get in detail of the coaching stuff yet, but I want to hear how did you start loving the game? Well, I mean, I always grew up as a big basketball fan, big sports fan. I mean, I love football. I, I love baseball. I love the NBA. I love basketball. And I've always been a competitive person. So I started playing for LA Home and Edmond and Alex Pilibos is the school that I went to. So I started playing okay. there and I loved the game. And uh, I grew up watching Magic Johnson. He was my favorite player <laughs> of all time. So the way he played the game, it always stuck with me. Just the unselfish style. The, you know, He had a little bit of that, that charisma, a lot of charisma, and he had fun playing the game. And that always stuck with me. And that's how I love to play the game now. When I was playing, I liked to be the extension of the coach because because he was a point guard, I want to be a point guard. Yeah. And uh, I like to be an extension of the court and I always wanted to make my teammates better. And that's kind of how I started getting into coaching. As gotcha. my brother was starting to play and you know we're a part of home and men and family members usually end up coaching or fathers mm-hmm. or older <laughs> brothers. So I start coaching my brother, gotcha. Ray, and, and his friends. So and I, this was back in the mid 80s. I started coaching and I was playing and coaching. It was fun. And um, the team kind of grew and they got older, went from D division to C division to B division. Mm-hmm. And you then finally, we, yeah, we just, they just grew up and, you know, stayed together and we reached A division. So in the nineties they were playing A division. And at that time we didn't have one A or two A. Yeah, it, uh, it was just, just because there weren't that many teams. So it was just upper A. So we started playing, uh, they started playing in A division. Um, and I was coaching them at the time, and I hurt my back, so I stopped playing. And uh, when I hurt my back, full-time coach, huh? it became full-time coach yeah. because I just couldn't stay away from the gym. I couldn't stay away from basketball. Mm-hmm. It was a passion of mine. I love it. I still love it. And uh, I had to have something fuel the competitive juices in of me. Course. And since I couldn't play anymore, I stopped, you know I just focused more on coaching. So as I got into coaching more, I started going to. Um, these uh, coaching uh, seminars uh, they used to have some in Vegas I went uh, back in the 90s uh, and late 80s I believe with uh, Bobby Knight Indiana yeah. he came out and he did some seminars and um, Pat Summit she passed uh, 
she was the female, uh, one of the best female coaches of yeah, all time uh, for women's basketball for Tennessee. I uh, went to her seminar and, you know, I was just like a basketball junkie. I just want to learn, you know, and uh, it consumed me and I, I wanted to be good at it. And I hated losing, you know, I hate losing more than I love winning. So it just yeah, kind of fueled me. And there's a difference with that. People don't know the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the losses sting more than the wins. Mm-hmm. You know, so that kind of stuck with me. And like I said, growing up watching Magic, I always wanted to make others better. And so as a coach, That's I wanted to make, my, yeah, to make my team better and my players better and make them reach their ultimate potential. So that's kind of how I started in L.A. and started coaching and started coaching in A Division. Did you consider coaching in high school or any other league outside of Home Men? Um, I coached a little bit at Pilibos. Uh, but again, it's a, it would be a, with the way my work was, I wasn't going to be able to leave uh, because I had a 9-to-5 job. And uh, I couldn't leave at 3 o'clock and go coach and and so I, I never really considered it. So I was getting my coaching, uh, I don't know, juices from yeah. uh, home at MN. Yeah, uh, like you mentioned, you're coaching an L.A. team, and that team ended up having a lot of success uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, you coached some big-time guys, guys like Jerry Armen, Sako Balyan, Robert Momjian. The list goes on. Uh, we'll go back to those guys in just a little bit, but take me back to what it was like with those early '90s, 2000s LA teams. What was coaching those guys like for you? Uh, it was amazing. I was blessed. Uh, I've been blessed to have the opportunity to coach some of these great players, and not only are they great players, they're just great individuals. And uh, one of the most fulfilling things about coaching for me is the relationship I built with them after I stopped coaching him or while I'm coaching him, and it's the friendship that I built with him. But again, going back to coaching, so the team that I was coaching, we were a good team, but we weren't a championship level team. So LA at that time had a few good, really good players and they were playing on different teams. So what ended up happening, they ended up coming and playing on my team. It was Sako Balian, um, and then Jerry Armand came and joined. Um, I had a big cut in, 6'9", mm-hmm. one of the OG centers. Um, so, we, you know, we built a pretty good team. You know, we built a really a pretty good team. And uh, in 98, we won our first Navasartan championship. Who did you guys play that year? Uh, Arad won. Arad won. What was yeah. it like winning it your was, first upper A division championship? You know, it, it's, it's uh, I can't explain in words. It was just so fulfilling. And I really felt happy for the players because they're the ones that are putting the grind. You know, they're the ones that are like there and just the passion and, and the tears that I see in them. It was just so fulfilling. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's where our Arad one rivalry started. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, you, you beat them in 98 and you develop the rivalry with them. You end up facing them a few more times. Mm-hmm. The Arad rivalry, uh, we've seen it uh, as Arad guys growing up we've seen it from our perspective but for your side from the la side of things what were your biggest challenges going through those rivalries with arat i mean they were just they were such a tough team to play against and they they were always they had some great players and uh, you know that's great role players i mean artin and martin uh, you know i mean we start off with them and then a big Z joined the group, and he was the young one. He was playing for Arato, I believe, <laughs> and then he, I think he joined their team. And they were just, they're just high IQ, um, just a solid, solid, talented, talented team. And they always gives, gave a run for our money. I mean, it was two heavyweights always going at it. You know, mm-hmm. I got a lot of respect for 
our at one teams. You know, talking about those games just a little bit more, um, what was uh, your mindset going into a few of those championship games? You guys uh, beat them in 05, beat them in 07. Uh, what were some of the biggest highlights for you in those games? Uh, I know we've had the chance to watch those tapes again. Uh, they both came down to the very last shots. So as a coach, what was going through your head facing that team in those final games? I mean, as a coach, I think your job is to make sure to put, to do your best to put your team in position to win the games. Now, now Sartan, it's a one-game tournament. It's not a seven-game series. So... It's not necessarily the best team that wins. It's the one that has the better game for that specific game. And uh, or you could have a little bit of luck. The injuries are involved. Who's healthier? So there's a lot of you know, moving parts to it. My main thing was to prepare the team. So we would always sit down at practices uh, before the games and discuss who are the first option, second option, third option in their team. So we try to take their strengths away and have their fourth and fifth options be their main scores, for example. So the mentality was if you take away one, two, and three, especially one and two, they would get frustrated. So now they're kind of off rhythm because next time they touch the ball, they're going to want to shoot. And maybe they're with outside the rhythm of the game because of the fact that we're letting options four and five shoot the ball more and take our chances with that. Uh, so it was preparation. It was knowing you know, who's going to be the one that's going to crash the boards, um, who, who's going to leak out to make sure that we have somebody back to make sure they don't get easy baskets. Um, it was more tactical preparation. But at the end of the day, I think players win you know, the games. Uh, I, just want, you know, I just want to do my best. I've always been hard on myself because if we lose a game, I always take the blame. I feel like, what, <laughs> what could I have done differently to help us win? It hurts. Uh, yeah, it hurts. As a coach, you know, hurts. Because I feel like I've let my team down. But when we win, I, I love to give the credit to the team because, you know, they're the ones that are, you know, busting their butts on yeah. the floor and they're the ones that are making the plays happen. So. Z, Z touched on that last time we talked to him. Yeah. He gave you a lot of credit uh, saying that the game plans that you guys formulated at L.A. against them was, you know, done to a T. And when we watch those tapes again, we realize that was something that was even though the style of game was different the tactical part of it was still there at a high level no matter how slow the game was yeah. it, that was a big thing that you guys focused on was the yeah. small details yeah i mean big z i mean <laughs> he was such a load i mean it's just so tough to game plan for him because you can't i mean the guy is just you know he's Fresh, legendary fresh player. Out of yeah. I mean, your best defense is hoping he misses. <laughs> yes, you know. The guy was, yeah, and he was in his prime. He was fresh out of college. Uh, just an amazing player. He was just an amazing player. I, I love the rivalries, <laughs> and I hope he continues playing. See? Continue playing, man. <laughs> uh, don't tempt him. He's already yeah. thinking about Armenia in four yeah, years. That's so. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome, man. So you only lost one time in 2001, and that was against Orange County. The, yes. the game's actually on YouTube for a lot of you that <laughs> don't know that. Correct. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. What do you remember from that game? Yeah, I mean, the ones that you lose are the ones that stink, mm -hmm. you know. And like I said, that one stung. And it was a really weird game because the way it started, and at the time, David Lalzarian was kind of like the talk of the town. Like he was a new kid on the block. Everybody wanted to come and see him play. He was just you know, off of Pepperdine, 6'5", um, a phenomenal player, man. He was just amazing player. So his team made the finals against us 
And, and what happened that finals game is, I, I don't know where he was, I don't know if it was work, or he was stuck somewhere and he couldn't make it to the finals game on time. So uh, Fred and Sevak approached me and said, uh, David's not here, do you want to delay the game a little bit until he gets here? And, you know, look, at the end of the day, it's home management, you know, of course, yeah, yeah. we'll wait. And it's, it's not win at all costs sometimes. It's, you know, if you want to win a championship, you got to beat the best. And I didn't want to play the game and, and, and win and say, oh, but if David had played, because that's, you know, it's going to have like an asterisk to that championship. Yeah, yeah. So we wanted David there and my guys wanted David there. Actually, more than I did, because my guys like soccer. These guys are competitors. Soccer Bali and Jerry right. Armin. I mean, these guys. Uh, I had Henrik Bandari, uh, Grinder, uh, Joe Altunian, great defender, shooter. These guys were all competitors. I mean, I give these guys a lot of credit. And they wanted, they wanted uh, David there. So I said, yeah, for sure. So we'll wait. So, and I don't remember exactly how long we waited. I could have been fifteen minutes, maybe thirty minutes. And while waiting, we're just kind of shooting around. And it kind of killed the steam, the, yeah, the buzz, the preparation out of it. And the guys were like, okay, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And he wasn't showing up. So then they decided, you know what? We can't really wait any longer. Carlo, we need to continue and start. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And uh, so we started the game. And the whole game had kind of like an eerie feel to it. It was like weird. Yeah. You know, you started off like... You're talking uh, it was like a letdown. low 30s. It, it was a letdown for the guys, you know. Yeah. And again, I gave Orange County they, they won, credit. They won. So nothing to take away from them. But our guys, you know, the energy wasn't there. Of course, like they no. were just so pumped up to play against David that when he wasn't there, I was like, ah. and I think psychologically, it kind of yeah, we didn't play on fifth well. gear. They were, you know, we weren't playing to our best abilities. So what ended up happening is you give a, a team a chance in a one-game tournament, and a, anything can happen. And they made a couple of threes, and we missed some shots. Uh, there's some bad fouls or whatnot. Next thing you know, it's a close game. Yeah, and then. Um, I think the game went to overtime, if I'm not mistaken, and then David walks in, mm-hmm. and then the whole crowd go, goes rocks. crazy. Yeah, he comes in, and then he hits a, a couple of shots, and then I think Seto had the last shot at the buzzer and went in and out, and we missed, and we lost the game that way. So that's how that game went. But you know, it, it was that that game was yeah. really interesting to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was about two minutes left in the game, and you just see like OC holding the ball. Yeah. And nowadays with shot clock and all that, that yeah. same game would have been a little different. Yeah. But, hey man. Yeah, and it's, it's a those. good thing that you note that because uh, back in those days, we didn't have shot clocks. And yeah. so the, the the scores were in the 40s a lot of times, sometimes in the 30s. It was, it was kind of boring. And if you watch the old games, you'll be like, oh my God, this is so boring. But that's how the games were back in the, you know, in the day. And there was no shot clock. So you can hold the ball for a minute, two minutes and limit the possessions and, you know, and the, when the game is close and the low-scoring game, anything can happen. Yep. Uh, just talking about the guys on your LA team, I know you, you know, touched on more guys. Yeah. But what were those teams like off the games? You know, practices, hanging out with each other. We know those guys are all big character guys. Yeah. Uh, tell me what it was like being around them. Oh, yeah. It was fun. I have to say. <laughs> It was a little bit difficult because I became friends with them. Yeah. So it was kind of knowing when kind of crossed that line of friendship and, and coach. But I became friends with them. And these guys, I mean, Robert Momjohn, you know, one of the best centers ever. Another amazing competitor. Big time. Um, and then Even we got... We coach against them now. Yeah, so we know. yeah he, he's super competitive. And all these guys were A personalities. So there was a lot of... Oh, yeah. A lot of... Hit. I mean, lot of we've alphas. had practices where we've had fist fights. And I've had to break up fist fights <laughs> during practice. 
But one thing with those guys is when he came on the court, they were one band of brothers. They stuck together and, you know, win or lose, I mean, they just gave it everything, right. you know. And uh, those practices, when I'm telling you, behind the scenes, there was just, uh, let's just say a lot of X-rated words <laughs> and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of pushing and shoving and smack talking. I think that's uh, truly what defines the early generation of, yeah. of home and men is that willingness to go at it kill each other at practice go at it so hard but yeah. when it comes time to right afterwards you're yeah. best friends yeah uh one of the guys i wanted to bring up a uh, big piece that you guys added to your la teams uh uh-huh. and, you know when i was watching i wanted to be like him a young guy joining an a division team one of my good friends now arshak uh-huh. comes on to the young he's a young buck coming yeah. on to an older team yeah. how did you guys uh get him involved with the group so easily well our shock i was coaching since he was i don't know this tall and um kind of he's like a little brother to me <laughs> and he's one of my favorite players i've ever coached great kid great personality he's not a kid anymore he just turned into <laughs> that congrats <Yeah>. our <laughs> But uh, amazing player, ama- amazing IQ. Big time. Um, and uh, he came on as a rookie in, oh, was it 03? Believe it was 07. 0- I 07, think. sorry, yeah. 07. I have my years wrong. So 07, <laughs> yeah, he came up as a rookie and we added him on the team. And he was actually, he blended in really well because his IQ yeah. was there without the personality issues that I had to deal with. So a funny game about the 07 championship is um, I, he was coming off the bench. And uh, one of the things I like to do is give confidence to my players. And I had a ton of confidence in Arshak. So I started him the second half because he was looking good out there. He wasn't nervous. Yeah. It was his first time in, in the finals. And he came up and hit three big threes. And that was, I mean, huge game threes changer. and game changer. And in a low scoring game, three threes is, you know, it's huge. And that helped us win that championship. So yeah, I love Arshak, man. He's just. <laughs> He's an amazing person and a player. Big, big time. Uh, You know, just wrapping up the L.A. times just a little bit. uh, You know, we've seen a lot of teams come and go. How are you guys able to stick together for such a long time and be successful within a short, you know, not not a short amount of time, but you guys won four championships uh, in a consistent amount of years. What was the key to that? Well, the key was uh, the core stayed together. And when you're building a a, cha- a championship, I don't want to say a dynasty, but if you're building a, a good run w- with a team, you have to have those solid core players. And I was very blessed because I had amazing players and leaders. Like Sako Balian, amazing leader and player. Jerry Arman, amazing leader and player. And it was easy to coach those guys in a way because there were coaches on the floor, so they made my job a lot easier. And then uh, as some of the guys got older and I lost some players, I, you know, always revamped the roster. So Arne from Ara 2 <laughs> back in the day, you know, somebody you, you guys used to look up to. Yes, sir. At the time when he came on my team, it was like the biggest thing, I guess, because no <laughs> one had ever left Ara to, yeah. to go to another chapter. So he transferred to L.A. and then, you know, he helped us win. I mean, again, amazing talent, amazing player. Um, Alan Kuchoff, uh, him and George Kuchoff had a great run with the Montebello back in the day and then when their team kind of fell apart and alan came to our team again a lot another amazing player and uh, strong personality 
So we kept the core together and, you know, we just kept adding pieces. And then at Seto Terizian, at the time, uh, he played Grand High School and it was a big thing at the time if you played high school ball. That was like the biggest thing. (laughs) So, and he was a purely fundamental player, solid player, Seto. And we picked him up. So, I mean, I was always blessed to have a good talent. And if I'm forgetting anyone, please (laughs) forgive me, guys. I was always blessed to have some really really good talent uh, on those teams. So you had a really good run with LA, uh-huh. and then you took a year or two off around there. Yeah. And, so yeah. you know, like anything, all good things come to an end. So you know, the guys got older and you know retired and stopped playing. So then, once they stopped playing, I stopped coaching for maybe two years, I believe. Then you ended up transferring to Mossy's chapter. Yeah. What was what was your influence to go there? Why did you pick Mossy's? Yeah. So I stopped coaching, and uh, I always had the drive. I still wanted to coach, but my guys had stopped, and. I've always been like a loyal, I don't like, like a loyal coach. I don't like to jump teams. I like to stay with one group. Um, so I stopped coaching and then LA had this new team up and coming and they already had a coach. So I didn't want to go and step on that coach and coach's toes and say like, okay, I'm ready to come back. And I wasn't gonna, about to do that. So I just kind of let it be. And you know, I was happy for LA that they were kind of coming up with the new generation and younger kids um, to kind of take over. So, but I wasn't coaching anywhere. And then a friend of mine, uh, Coach Mike Antablian from Masis, he was coaching the Masis 2 team at the time. So he reached out to me and said, Carlo, I noticed you're not coaching. Would you be interested in coming to Masis and coach, coaching with me? And that, I, <laughs> in the beginning, I'm like, it was kind of odd because I've always been in LA. I was a yeah. lifelong LA member and I'm still an LA member. I play there, I try to play there. But um, it's, uh, yeah, when he asked me, it was like kind of weird. I was like, uh, I don't yeah, know, you know, yeah. making that switch because I, I had never done it. But then I thought about it. I'm like, okay, it's still home at MN. So it's not, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're LA or Arad or Masters, yeah, we have the competitiveness. You want to win and whatnot. But at the end of the day, we're all brothers. It's all home at MN. So it's all the same cause. And I still had the itch and I, I wanted to coach and I wanted, you know, to win some more. So what ended up happening, I said, sure, I'll come to a couple of practices and, you know, we'll take it from there. And the Masters too had a really young team at the time. Um, they had some good players, but they were young. So I said, sure, you know, why not? I love challenges. So I started coaching the Mossy's 2 team. Um, the first year I coached them, we went 0-6. Hmm. We were competitive in all the games, but, you know, we, we lost. We lost, we went 0-6. But it wasn't a bad 0-6. It was a good 0-6 because, I know that sounds really stupid. No, you need stupid, that sometimes. But it was like, we were in all the games, but we were just too young and we didn't have the horses to kind of take us to the end at the time. Or yeah. all the enough horses uh, to win those games, but uh, going back to when Mike and I talked, when he told me about the chapter, so I started mm-hmm. looking at the chapter, and uh, Mike Donnellan had just came onto the scene in 2010, mm-hmm. I believe. He just he, tore it apart. Yeah, he tore it apart and won the championship, and they had a solid Mossy Swan team um, with Shara and uh, Nare Kopushan and a whole bunch of players um, that were playing on you know Mossy Swan. So I went to coach Masis too, but I had a vision that hopefully one day, if things don't work out there, I would love to combine both teams and make one super team. And uh, I think it's always good that a chapter has one strong team to represent the chapter versus two good teams who are good enough to possibly win. Yeah. Versus, you know, if you combine both and have the right coach and right players and right chemistry, uh, give a better chance of winning, especially when you're always going up against Arad 1. Um, you know, Shant had, you know, great teams. They were like super competitive, you know, always going to the finals and a lot of respect for the Shant guys. Um, so 
you had to you had to combine the team. So that was kind of the vision I had. And in my mind, I never told anybody. I gave myself three years that I I had to win a championship. With after the three years and the third year we won in 2014, you did it. Yeah, we we combined the teams. We had an amazingly stacked team, and and we won in 14. For was that tough in the beginning to when you guys combined to get all those guys? I mean, they all had alpha mentalities. They got a lot of minutes. Was that tough to gel the both teams together? Um, it's a little bit tough, yeah, because look, you're dealing with guys who are really good players, and they're used to being the man or first or second option sometimes and then when you're playing with Mike um, and some other great players it's like you know you might not get the playing time that you want or the shots that you want a lot of times so uh, just kind of changing of the roles is sometimes tough like some guys can start centers for example any team but they're playing backup uh, on that team yeah you gotta make sacrifices you gotta make sacrifices but at the end of the day it's just you know about winning yeah winning the championships Mm -hmm. you know uh, you touched on a point that uh, I wanted to kind of talk about a little more. Uh, you mentioned how you made the switch from L.A. to Mossy's, and it was just about uh, being a home and at men guy. It wasn't about L.A. or Mossy's at the time. Uh, comparing the two generations and the two teams that you were at, what were some of the biggest differences that you saw going from L.A. to Mossy's? Was it a any kind of a culture change uh, basketball-wise for you? Yeah, I mean, great question. Um, the game has evolved, you know, from the 2000s to the 90s, from the 2000s to, to the way the game is played now. So my L.A. teams, we were more an inside-out team. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had dominant inside players, Stock Obalian, best power forward of all time, just a beast. Unstoppable left. Unstoppable left <laughs> hook. Yeah, he, he was just money. We had Robert... Um, we had Cotton in the beginning, um, you know, Arne, he played inside, outside. So we had a ton of post players. So our game, our game plan, our approach to the game was different back then. And the three point shot wasn't a big deal back then. It wasn't very, it was underutilized. So it was really inside out. It was going inside and then kick it out for threes. If you're open and guys, uh, you know, like Joe and and Seto and Mm -hmm. Alan Kuchoff or whoever would be hitting those threes, but it was mainly inside. Just, we did a lot of, uh, High low plays, a lot of uh, low post double screen, inside quick hits, and uh, so that team was more of a slow the game down, dump it inside, uh, game management type of a team. And again, I had really high IQ players, and uh, so that was that team. Transition to the Masis team mm-hmm. was complete 180 degree turnaround. Very different because that's again the game has changed. This team was more of a, a run and gun, shoot threes, yeah. ton of shots go up. Um, shot clock didn't exist for us. I mean, within ten seconds, we sh- you know shoot the ball, and it was complete one eighty. So mm-hmm. I think as a coach, you can't be my opinion. You can't be stubborn. You can't say, you know what, this is my style, and I'm going to force my style on this team. I think as a coach, you got to look at the team and the talent and the players that you have, and yeah, you got to play it to your strengths. Yeah. So with the Masis team. I have Mike Donelian, and I have a lot of great players, uh, and they love to run and gun. Why am I going to slow them down, limit yeah. their shots, and go inside when that's really not our strength? Where our our strength is really the, the three point shooting and the spreading of the floor uh, type of a game. So it was a complete one eighty. I had to adapt. Um, you know, it was a little bit difficult, but um, like I said, you have to adapt. In life, you got to adapt. Yeah. You know, it's it's no different on the court. You know, you just have to adapt. And I, 
you know, I try to adapt the best that I can to the team that I have now. And uh, it, both were fun and both are fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. they're both in their own ways yeah. very special, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Mike a little bit, but going back to his early run in Home and Men, we obviously know he killed it. Uh, shocked everybody when we first saw him play. Uh, tell us a little bit about what it's like coaching a guy that is that offensively skilled at, to the point where he can take over the game at any moment himself. What's it like incorporating the guys around yeah. him as well? I mean, Mike, amazing talent, one of the best Armenian players ever. Um, one thing I'll say about Mike, and a lot of people don't know this, Mike wants to be coached. Mike wants you to, to yell at him, wants you to tell him what's, what he's doing wrong. And a lot of people looking at him play would think that, no, he, he doesn't. He kind of wants to do his own thing. Because in the beginning, I was a little bit hands off him because of how great he was. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, we have great communication with each other. And he would tell me, you know, I want to be coached. I want you to tell me if I'm messing up or whatnot. And um, again, I'm not going to teach Mike how to shoot. I'm not going to teach <laughs> Mike how to play the game. That's not my job. He's already who he is. The only thing that I can do to help him is game management. Um, as far as managing the game, as far as uh, picking and choosing when he shoots sometimes and when to get some other guys involved to make sure that they're on board and kind of thinking the game, which he's, you know, he's done tremendously. And but it's just a a pleasure to coach that guy. He's (laughs) an amazing talent. Did you know anything about him prior to coaching him? Like, did you? Well, uh, the first time I saw him play in person was in 2010, the year that they won the finals. I think it was our last year. Uh, with LA, actually, we beat him in the preliminary games. Oh. We beat them, and but he was such an amazing talent. I'm like, oh my goodness, this yeah. guy's mm-hmm. special player. Uh, we beat them. We got lucky. We beat him during the preliminary games, but then uh, you know we lost. I believe to Shant, um, that a great team uh, in the quarters, I believe, and then they ended up playing in the finals, and he won the finals, and he just had put on a performance of the ages on yeah. that championship game. Uh, moving forward to 14 and 15, Pat touched on it a little bit. Uh, you guys played us in 2014. I was on that team. And then uh, 2015 again. But looking back at those games, uh, obviously you had played against early RL teams with your LA guys. Uh-huh. Uh, now you see a different RL team, like you mentioned, Little Z, guys like Narb get yeah. added to this yeah. group. What are some of the early challenges that you saw in that new rivalry? Wow. I mean, it was like Arad 1 2.0 renewed the rivalry, you know? It's just amazing. Narbi, so much respect for him. He's just such a grinder, great competitor, little Z, big Z. I mean, their whole team, like Tio, you know, some, sometimes he goes under the radar, but, you know, you can put him on a team and build around him separately. Just He's that good. Um, and just a tremendous amount of role players that you guys had. It was just so tough because like how do you like how do you game plan? Who do you take away? Big Z, Little Z, <laughs> Narb. It just it was a battle of the heavyweights, you know. Like I said, you know, it's just who's gonna be the last man standing. You know, it's gonna be a close game. <laughs> you just hope that you, you have know, the ball the, in your hand. You're, yeah, you got the last <laughs> possession and uh, you win the game. I mean, that's really <laughs> it. I'm sure your team was looking forward to playing those guys Always. more than anyone right. else. Always. Yeah, yeah. I think both teams look forward to yeah to playing each other. It just uh, you know what it is? It's a healthy rivalry. 
because there's a lot of respect amongst the yeah, teams. Big time. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be some smack talking or not during the games, but at, off the court, everybody's friends. You know, so True. it's a great rivalry. It's fun. I mean, we love it. You know, we don't get paid, obviously, <laughs> but to us, this it is just, what it's all about. Yeah, for us. yeah, it's just the whole bragging rights of winning. You know, <laughs> being yeah. in that gym during that final weekend is uh, yeah. can't explain it to yeah. other people. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the 2015 final a little bit. We'll uh-huh. go into a little bit of detail with that. Okay. The 2015 final, uh, crazy, crazy ending. Um, but let's talk about the beginning. You guys that year face Ara in the group stages. Mm-hmm. You guys lose to them in the mm-hmm. group stages. Final game comes. I think Shara's having back problems. Yeah. You don't have Chris. You don't have Gore. And I know, like, we talked about it. You guys weren't even considered to even be close in that game uh-huh. for most people. You're missing three of your major guys. Yeah. And here you are. Mike drops 42 points out of the 67. And everything's leading to this ending, this spe- spectacular ending, right? Yeah. And everyone's thinking, okay, Mike is going to finish this spectacular mm-hmm. game off. But... As we know, we had a different hero that game. Yeah. Take me back to that preparation of that championship game yeah. after just losing to A1 a few yeah. weeks earlier. So you mentioned Shara. So he comes to me right before the game. We're <laughs> thinking we're going to have him. And his back is really messed up. I mean, he pulled his shirt up. I'm like, what happened to you? He's like, I don't know, bro. I can't go. And Shara is a gamer. There's no way he's going to miss a game. Mm-hmm. And if he says I can't go, then he can't go. So then we huddled up. And uh, I think that's sometimes as a leader, that's kind of when you have to step up and show confidence and step up as a leader and say, all right, next man up, Shara's down. But we have great players. I mean, we have Mina Sianku, uh, you know, RRD, he, you know, amazing role player, hustler, defender. But Mike Kira's great shooter, um, oh, big art, my center. So we have guys who've been there before, you know, they've been playoff tested. And um, Alex Tima, another guy, Played Better. in the trenches, which kind of <laughs> will go, go to that last play. But so I told the guys, we have enough to win. Yeah. It's one game. Next man up. That's it. Yeah, we would love to have Shar. He's not here. Okay, we're not going to cry about it. Next man up. Come on, everybody. It's championship game. Adrenaline is pumping. You know, we're going to do this. Let's keep the game close. If As long as, you know, we keep the game close. We got Mike on the team, man. And as long yeah, as you have Mike man. on the team <laughs> and the supporting task that we had, you got a shot. And, you know, we, we got lucky. Yeah. yeah. So let's uh, show you that game footage. I want you to kind of break it down for oh, okay. anyone that wasn't there. So we're just going to jump off right oh, almost man. second to last possession almost. Okay. Um, you guys are down by one. So give me your thoughts on what's going on during this whole thing. Okay. So they were overplaying Mike on that one play that he just drove to the basket. And that's one thing uh, when, I, when I was mentioning to you how he likes to be coached. That's one thing we try to add a little bit to his game is when they're overplaying you, try driving and taking those pull-ups instead of selling for the three all the time, which he's amazing at. So that's one example of he did that. You know, he, they were overplaying him. He went around and just got that layup. And then we came down again, such a tough matchup with these guys. I mean, because he just kind of bullies over everybody, just shoots over everybody, grab, grabs his own rebound, scores. And then um, Arat called timeout. Artin, Artin called timeout. So right and I there- love Artin. You didn't call it. No. Art no, calls a timeout. No, no. He called a timeout. So it's 13 seconds left, and we're down by one. 
And I would love to say and take credit that the play, the play was for Alex Tima to get the ball and score <laughs> layup to win, but that wasn't the case. So, so what you, happened you was coming out of this timeout. Coming out of the a, timeout, yeah. yeah. So we, you know, Arkin called the timeout. Gotcha. So we huddled up. We had 13 seconds left. So that's plenty of time to bring the ball up full court. Mm-hmm. And the reasoning behind that was if if you're going up full court and the defense is on its backpedal, backpedaling, I think the offense is at the advantage. Definitely. So you're, you're going with 94 feet of floor versus, you know, half of the floor. Yeah. The plan was, again, this is where I say the players win the games. The plan was um, either Mike or Minas get the ball, go, we're going to try to set a screen for Mike to get off a shot. If that wasn't the case, then Minas is our, was as our primary ball handler at the time. So he was going to bring the ball up and do a dr- dribble handoff which is a play that we had mm-hmm. to Mike to come off a little curl and, and shoot. So, and if you look at the play, uh, they were denying Mike really well. And Minas being a high IQ player, which he's learned, because when Minas came into the league, he was more of an athlete. He was known for his dunks. He, Tarzan was, Tarzan was yeah. his nickname. Dunk. <laughs> but he's, you know, his IQ matured. You know, he got, um, he understood the game more. And that's one of the things that we try to teach is be unselfish, you know, and then, I have the three philosophies that you guys probably know when we yeah, think we'll talk about that. But so what happened in, in that play was, so Mike was overplayed. So Minas hang, you know, held onto the ball and he saw the floor and Alex kind of snuck in behind the defense. Mm-hmm. He was wide open under the basket. Minas found him and he scored a layup and, you know, and that was the game. I think the biggest thing that I took away from that last play was when Minas has the ball, his first option, obviously, is looking at Mike. Yeah. He's not there. He moves on. He yeah. goes. Yeah. He realizes, okay, I'm not going to just hold the Correct. ball here. I got to attack. Correct. And when what, he's attacking, he has his head up the whole time. Which goes back to what I say is we have a good team. And yeah. We're not a one-man team. Yeah. So Mike, amazing player, but we had a good surrounding uh, cast. So we, I had complete confidence in the guys to, to make the play. And that's why I decided to take it full court because I thought that the advantage would be us if we're full court because we're going to have the full court to deal with and the defense is backpedaling with us pushing the ball and it worked out for us (laughs) yeah great moment for you guys right there uh you know that one of the things i've seen at the end of the celebrations the first thing that you're always doing is like you're you're the most calm championship winner i've seen first thing you do is go you know, congratulate the other team for the game they had too. So yeah. a lot of respect there. Yeah, yeah. I, I respect my opponents. I mean, like I said, a lot of them I'm friends with. Uh, but even if I wasn't, I think you just have to lead by example. And even the teams that I coach, uh, I try to, you know, have them not be showboaters. You know, because there's kids watching the games. You know, and it's I know it's hard because you know you get emotional, you start cursing or whatnot, yeah. and you get technicals <laughs> and you kick balls and stuff, but. You know, I always like to remind them that there's kids that look up at you as like role models. You know, they, they, they come to the championship game. Oh, my God. You know, they're like watching you play. So, and I try to keep composure myself as a coach. So, you know, you got to leave as you do, I don't think I've do, ever right? seen you get heated as a uh, coach. <laughs> How many I teams have, have you got? <laughs> I mean, I guess my style is I don't get too high and I don't get too low. I yeah. try to stay even keeled. And I think it keeps it, your team composed. And it keeps the team composed. Yeah. And one thing with us, we're, we're up by 15 or down by 15. It's the same. We're playing the same way. You know, we're not like, you know, going to be yelling and screaming and getting technicals. And you just got to keep playing the same way. And a lot of times that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, things go out of whack. But I think for the most part, I try to do the best that I can is lead by example and uh, try to be a good sportsmanship type of a coach and uh, be even keeled. Because yeah. 
I don't like the tension on me. I want the tension on the players. You yeah. know, I just want to be behind the scenes helping them win. That's it. Definitely. Uh, we've, we've seen that at uh, Mossy's team the last couple of years uh, be competitive, but obviously had a few shortcomings mm-hmm. uh, along the way. We've seen the team kind of change in some mm-hmm. ways. Um, what's the current situation with your Mossy's team now that uh, we've seen guys come and go, uh, yeah. guys like Tade, mm-hmm. uh, Sevon. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the outlook for the future yeah. for you guys? So our future is really good. Uh, looks really bright. We got, you know, still got Mike. We got, you know, Minas. We got Big Art. We have uh, Gore back now. Okay. Um, he's getting back in shape. Uh, we have uh, Avo, Mike's little brother. He's not so little anymore. He's 6'4". Um, great shooter, uh, defender, yeah. great you know length, wingspan, and uh, we got we got a good core. You know we got a really good core, and um, I lo- I like our chances. You know I'm always looking to improve the team, um, but uh, our core is looking good right now. Nice. Going back just a little bit, <laughs> one of the funny things that Pat and I have always talked about was this you know jumping from one chapter to another. Yeah. We both at one point wanted to come play for Mossies and yeah. especially play for you, yeah. obviously. And there's something always in the back of our heads yeah. and most people's heads, like jumping from home and yeah. chapters. It's tough to right. move from chapters. It is. You know, it is. Especially if easy. you grew up your whole life playing for the yeah. chapter. Yeah. No, I can we relate. Wish it wasn't I can that relate. Way, I can you know? relate because it was hard for me as a coach. Yeah. You know, let alone as a player, or, um, like you guys. Uh, but look, I've had some good, great additions, and sometimes additions don't work out. It, it's not necessarily that they're bad players or bad kids. It's just the chemistry isn't there, yeah. you know. And until you try it, you're not going to know, you know. And especially when you're playing with uh, with Mike and and some great players who won championships. So, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to kind of incorporate uh, guys who are also good players, but yeah. going to maybe take a step back a little bit or whatnot. But you know, I have a lot of respect for Tade, and you know, Seb didn't work out, another great player. But sometimes you just have to find your niche in your team and. Uh, the circumstances of, of, of your situation to to succeed and you know i guess you know i can you can say i failed in that situation but sometimes it's just hard it is you know, it's, it's just very difficult uh one one thing that we do is we we want to give you one memory to look back on and see what you would have changed <laughs> with the fun memories also comes a few bad ones over the years you mean the orange but, county wasn't enough uh, <laughs> <laughs> that one people can go watch that i'm not going to yeah, show you yeah. but this one i'm going to bring back uh last year's novosarion yeah um uh, crazy game uh-huh. you guys end up playing an up-and-coming sean two team uh-huh. and we've seen they can put up points this mm-hmm. game went in the early you know low hundreds with chalk clock and all that nowadays yeah. so i'm going to show you a clip but Take me back to what you remember about that game before I show you the ending. Wow, that game. I mean, Harach had a, had a team. Those guys were wound up. They Then they had a crowd. And, know, you know, they yeah. were like the <laughs> Cinderella team that everybody was cheering for. And, you know, they had a great run. And I'll be honest, you know, he caught us off guard. The team caught us off guard. Because I believe, I don't know if it was our first tournament in 1A or second. Or it was first, our first. It was was their it? first. So I hadn't really scouted them. I'd never yeah. seen that team, I'll be honest. And again, that's I take that responsibility on myself. But I never really saw them play. So I I did a poor job in preparing my team. 
uh, for that game. So again, I, I feel so bad. Again, like I was telling you guys, is the losing, it's like you always sit back and talk, okay, what could I have done differently? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing to take away from those guys. They had a great game. I mean, Arman uh, Possession, what an amazing talent. I mean, that kid is something special. And he went off for 57 points. And uh, we just couldn't stop him. You know, we, just, we, sw- we uh, switched players. Uh, I think I should have doubled him more looking back again. But it was like one of those that it just kind of happened so fast and never seen the, them play. Um, the team had a lot of shooters too. Yeah, and they have good shooters around them. Harash did an you know, amazing job. And uh, yeah, they beat us, man. They beat <laughs> us. And we actually felt we had a good chance that year. Um, it, it was a good to team. Beat, no, I'm not saying we would have beat Ard one, but they were stacked. I mean, they were just rolling over everybody that that year. Yeah. But I thought if anybody had a chance, a fighter's chance, it was us. Yeah. You know. I agree. But unfortunately, we didn't get that opportunity. Let's go through that uh, the ending. Uh, I'm yeah. gonna take us right to the last uh, 30 seconds or so. Yeah. Uh, Sean's shooting a free throw. So, take me back to you know they they have the ball. Uh, they're shooting some free throws. I think it's a one and one, and he uh-huh. misses the first one. So yeah, he misses it, and then we get the rebound. You get the ball, and no timeout. I think you guys just go straight into the ball in Mike's hand. Um, so what? Yeah, we did a substitution, I believe. And yeah. So basically, the play um, in these situations, I don't like to call a timeout because I trust my players, and I don't want the defense to get a chance to set up their defense. Um, so especially when you have a player like Mike who can beat anybody one-on-one, I don't want the defense to huddle and have a timeout and say, okay, we're going to double Mike or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, like how we won in, uh, 15, same thing. We just, you know, we didn't call timeout in that situation either. And even though we had a timeout, this one, again, the play was to have Mike go down and, uh, either dribble handoff, give him a screen and try to get off a good look. And I always like to save a timeout for the end of the game in case we get stuck uh, instead of turning the ball over to have that timeout as a safety feature. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came down, he had an open three, and he passed it to his brother, yeah. Pavel, who, you know, kind of short-armed it a little bit, and, and he missed. But again, I, going back to that play, uh, 99% of the time, Mike shoots that shot, mm-hmm. and complete confidence that he's going to make it. I think seeing his brother in the corner... They doubled them on that play, so it would have been a tough He's, shot. He, Mike, you can throw three guys at him. He's still going to get <laughs> yeah. a shot off that guy. But again, that's something underrated about Mike. A lot of people think he's he's just a volume shooter. Yeah, he shoots a lot. He is a volume shooter, but he's also an unselfish player. And he'll make the right basketball plays. Mm-hmm. You know, And his brother was a great shooter. The baseline shot is his shot. He mm-hmm. saw him open, and he gave that shot. And he just missed it, unfortunately. And you know, like I was telling you guys, it's not a seven-game series. It's one game. It's a game of inches sometimes. At the end of the game, it's who gets the last shot. You know, we missed it, and they got the ball. Um, they advanced it, I believe, right? Let me rewind this. I'm trying to forget this whole situation. <laughs> so we tried to overplay the three-point side and try to have them inbound the ball towards midcourt so that if they do shoot it, it's going to be a key ball. 40-foot yeah. prayer kind of a shot, which we did. And uh, now he got open somehow and just threw it up and it went in and... That was the game. I'll give stung. him a little shout out, Nick. Good shot, yeah, man. Nick, good, yeah, good <laughs> shot. That one stung, man. I have to say, but that one stung. Uh, thanks, thanks for bringing up that memory. <laughs> it's a tough one to watch. Yeah. I know. I mean, I was getting like updates, like texts yeah. every second. What was yeah. going on? But it yeah, happens, but, man. Yeah, but Armand had an amazing game. <laughs> I mean, just amazing game. Well, 
I think I think for home and Amen to be great, we have to see your guys' teams uh, there. Yeah. Because yeah. everyone loves watching you guys play. Yeah. Uh, let's move forward. Uh, a few years ago, we both got the chance to play together under you uh, for the Western USA team. Yeah, 2017. Yeah, 2017. Uh-huh. A fun experience. Uh, it was it was definitely one of my most memorable times being in Armenia, and I've been there three times now. But uh, tell me what it was like being selected as the coach, and what was kind of your early uh, process of developing the team? Yeah, so I had gone to Armenia twice in '99 and 2001, I believe, as a coach, and so I hadn't gone for a long time. Um, so it was, you know, I was honored that you know they chose me to coach the the team. And uh, there was two teams going from here. It was the Ara team, and and our team was the second team. Um, and we had to put together a team, basically from all the other chapters, mostly, and some Ara guys too. And uh, I think the whole mentality of that team was to put guys who are good enough to win, but also have the right personality to fit in, and who are going to have fun, and um, who respect the game and respect teammates and coaches and the competition. So it was basically having the right group of players, not necessarily the best players that are available, but the best players available for that one unit. Um, and, you know, I thought we had a great run. We, you know, we lost to the Glendale team, our team in the finals. Um, but uh, I thought we had a great run. Um, they had more chemistry than we did because they've been playing longer uh, with one another. And our, our practices were kind of guys were coming from Fresno and, yeah, you know, all over the place, OC. and it was kind of OC, and and you know it was kind of hard to uh, to build chemistry. But we did. I thought we built chemistry real fast, and we did, yeah. uh, I just you know enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> I still talk to a lot of the guys like you guys and stay in touch, uh, whether it's basketball wise, business wise, family wise, girlfriend problems, whatnot. <laughs> um, you know, guys. You know, I still talk to, and to me again, it's those special relationships that we built yeah. in home management that's. To me, that's very precious. I think we both talked about it for us. uh, A lot of that trip, I hate to say it, was not basketball oriented uh, in most of the ways. Like we had such a great time together going to different venues, uh, taking care of uh, our responsibility as like home and event guys. Yeah. Uh, We talked about a little bit uh, hitting uh, locations that we felt were was important, like the orphanages and stuff like that. Uh, it was definitely a great trip, and obviously, if we won that final game, yeah. it would have been a little better. But I still yeah. take that as like one of my f- most memorable trips of all time. So, yeah. Do you remember the three things that I told you guys? Expectations <laughs> when we went as far as basketball goes. I remember just a little bit. There but was, there was, IQ. There was, there was three I, requirements that I have on all the IQ. players: oh, play no. high IQ basketball, <laughs> unselfishness, play unselfish basketball, yeah. and play with passion on passion. both sides passion. of the ball. There you go. You know. And uh, one thing I want to kind of touch on before I answer that question, as far as coaching, because um, you kind of brushed on it a little bit as far as the difference. Um, today's game has changed. So there's, to me, uh, you have to have everybody be a threat on the floor now. Whereas back in the day, you could have somebody who doesn't score. You're just there to rebound or whatnot. But you have to have versatile guys now who can, you know, triple threat players who can rebound, shoot, dribble, pass. And the more of those kind of players that you have, the better the chances I think you're going to have of winning because it's hard to cheat off of guys when you have complete players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, going back to, to my philosophy is, is I love high IQ players, think the game, 
um, play with passion on both sides of the floor, you know, defense and offense, you know, because defense is 50% of the game. So you can't just, you know, hoping somebody misses a shot is not playing defense. I always tell my players that I'm yeah. probably told you guys a million times, <laughs> hoping a guy missing a shot that you're guarding is not playing defense. You know, you, you got to play defense. And then a lot of times we talk about roles. And I think we had this discussion with you guys, too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we did when we we're talking about roles. Some people think, oh, you know what? My, my role is I'm the shooter on the team. Okay. The roles always come on defense. The roles aren't on off. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. The roles always come on offense, not on defense. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to play defense. There's no roles in defense. You don't get a bye because you're Mike Donnellian or Sako Bayan or whoever you are. It doesn't from one to twelve. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Your job is to play defense. That's not a role. That's a requirement. Mm-hmm. The roles come on offense. Where you know who's on one option, two option, inside shooter, whatever the situations. Uh, maybe but I think that's something that's very important to distinguish because a lot of times I've had issues with guys saying oh uh, my job you know that's not my role of course it's your role you have to play defense you know you don't have to be the best defender but you got to give the effort because defense doesn't take talent defense is effort you know yeah there's some talent in defense but you know 90% of it is heart and and the willingness to want to defend you know and uh, if you don't want to play defense that means you don't want to try and you're letting your teammates down and defense it's a scheme it's a schematic thing you can't have three guys play defense, two guys not play defense because it breaks down. Yeah, you know, so you got to have all five guys playing defense. But going back to the Armenia trip, uh, amazing trip, and one of the things that we talked about a lot before we went there was we wanted to actually enjoy Armenia. We're Armenians. We love Armenia. It's our home country. Some of the guys had never gone there. Some of us had gone there a few times, but we wanted to take it and enjoy every minute of it. It's our motherland. We wanted to go and enjoy the, the country. We wanted to enjoy the people, the restaurants. You know the scenery the destinations and uh it was very important that we actually ended up going to the orphanages as a group of the organization not only our team and the one that we went to uh was a special needs organization mm-hmm. uh orphan orphanage i have to say and that's uh you know special for me because i have for those of you who don't know i have a special needs son he's got a severe type of epilepsy and his special needs so that was like really really like uh, I had tears in my eyes. Yeah. And my wife was strong. You know, she's stronger than I am. And I have to say thank you to Maral. She's always been there supporting me because um, it's hard. It's a lot of work coaching going back. I don't mean to flip flop, but huh. it's a lot of uh, dedication. The practices, the games, the, you know, besides people come and see the you know, last weekend to see the product on the floor, but they don't see the whole year of the, the league games that you play, yeah. the practices, the grind. So, and you know, you have to have a supportive family and, and spouse that, of course, they have you know, because you're away from them and you're yeah. going and, yeah. and spending the time. So, I mean, thank you so much. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I couldn't, you need that support. But going back to that, uh, the orphanage, yeah. uh, we went back there and uh, that was special to me because, uh, like, I have a special needs son and he'll never play basketball. But, you know, it, it was tough because, like, I'm kind of tearing up now thinking about it. But you have to it give back. It was a memorable you, know? you have to give time. back. It was a memorable time. And we have to always thank God for what we have. Yeah. You know, we always have to thank God for our blessings. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thank God every day. Like, I'm a special needs dad, but I'm proud to be a special needs dad. Because you know, my son needs me and my wife. So I'm, I'm super proud of it. Um, but it's really, really important that I think the team saw those kids realizing, wow, we're so lucky to have our health, to have families, to have, you know, and these kids need help. So it was like, I think it was really special and eye-opening and it was just going and buying toys and giving it to them, the seeing their, the look on their faces, 
you know, and the gifts that we got him, I think that was just so precious. Do you remember that when was Nick was holding that kid mm -hmm. and the kid was trying to dunk yeah, and yeah, Nick was smiling yeah, Nick, after? Nick, yeah. yeah, Nick, uh, amazing player, <laughs> you know, character, but amazing player. Yeah, he was carrying the, the one yeah, kid yeah, and he was trying to dunk. Yeah, yeah the, and, the and those guy. kids, yeah, it just... It was, it was funny. It was the that, one to guy. me that was the highlight of the trip. Yeah, you know, yeah, you want to win, obviously, but uh, there are certain things in life that are more important than winning. And seeing the kids, you know, the look on those kids' faces and helping out, mm -hmm. um, I thought was really, really special. So. Very. I want to talk a little bit about my experience with the team. One thing I noticed was your organization. Like you said, players were all over the place: Fresno, Montebello, Arad, a few Mossies. But you did a really good job of saying, texting everyone, saying, "Hey." We got scrimmages. Come. We have practice. Sunday morning. Everyone be there. Everyone held each other accountable too. And practices were always super competitive. I think that's one thing I really liked about your coaching was that you allowed the players to just compete, lay it all over there. And it, all, it was always competitive. You know, Nick was always getting to it with Rafi. I remember Narbe Pez was getting to it with Rafi Algemion a little bit. But I think that was the fun part about it. That's the thing I take away from it. It was always great competitive practices. Yeah. You treat us like grown men, let us play our game. Once in a while, you have to step in. But you had a really calm demeanor, which I liked. Um, and when we went there, we had such a great bond. We were going out with different groups. It, it wasn't just one or two guys every time. You know, we were going out with Nick one night. We were going out with, you know, Ryan or Rafi one night. It was always a great time. Yeah, I mean, you guys did the credit. I mean, you guys were a great bunch. Great character guys, you know, great players, but also great character guys. And it was easy to coach you guys. I'll be very honest because you guys had high IQ and you guys listened and you guys, you know, did the right thing, you know? I didn't have to worry about head cases hmm. and uh, fights and this and that. Yeah, it was competitive. And, you know, you guys kind of, kind of got a glimpse of my practices. I like to keep the game fun. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not college, it's not high school, it's not five days practices. We get one practice. And I play myself, so I know. I want to go and I want to play basketball. I want to play five on five. I don't want to go and do sprints and, <laughs> and uh, you know, two hours of running and then go home, not touch a mm -hmm. basketball. You know, you can build chemistry and do all those things while you're playing. So why not yeah. get in shape while you're playing, but also build chemistry? So you're, it's, you're working on several things versus just doing one thing. So my practices are usually very competitive. Uh, but it's usually a lot of five-on-five, five, a lot of running. And a lot of times I'll stop at quarter or if something really bad I see, I'll stop practice. I'll say, okay, what happened right here? You know, for example, you come down and you take a bad shot and you have a guy wide open under the basket. I'll stop practice right there. I'll say, okay, yeah. Alec, what were you thinking? Did you not see the guy? Or did you see him and you still decide that you want to shoot it? So either you have poor court vision or you're a selfish player or made a selfish play. Yeah. So I like to stop the practice and just point those things out. I think those teaching moments are are my job as an A division coach is what I can help uh, with the guys because I'm not going to teach you how to shoot. You can teach me how to shoot. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to you know teach you how to handle the ball or whatnot. But it's those game management, it's those IQ decisions, decision making yeah, in the that's game. Most important um, is what I think I can help bring to the team. So yeah, we. I mean, you guys were a great bunch. I, mean, <laughs> I just you know all the guys, man. I have. Would you go back? To... Yeah, why not? <laughs> Honestly, Nova helped you out a lot too. Nova, he helped thank us you for bringing up. Yeah, Nova was an amazing, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Perfect compliment. Nova was an amazing. I mean, he's he made it so easy for me. I mean, he would be the one that would text you guys and, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, with the travel plans and stuff. And even game situations, I would lean to him and I would ask him stuff and foul situations or you know, switching matchups or whatnot. And Nova, I mean, he was he's 
amazing person yeah. amazing, awesome amazing coach yeah. yeah and we still keep in touch i mean i enjoyed every <laughs> minute with him i had never coached with him or really uh, you know talked to him as much more than high and by before games or whatnot so i didn't really know him and that, again that's why i say his home and mm brings us all together Truly, because yeah. of armenia like i got a chance to know him and become friends with him which you know all of this is a blessing for all of us definitely, definitely. And, and to wrap up that portion of armenia i gotta agree with you playing in these pan home and MN games allows all these chapters yeah. to kind of join in together yeah moving forward to something that's really important i think for not just you but for where home and MN is growing towards mm -hmm. uh home and harashk mm -hmm. very uh very important thing that i think uh is being introduced right now to our community something that i think it's only a few years old mm -hmm. right um I want you to kind of give us a little bit of more of a background because I, I've seen the work that they've been doing. It's amazing uh, how much time they've put into this. But if you can give us just a little bit more of a detailed background yeah. on the whole process. Yeah. So as a community, we've been growing. And the chapters you see have been growing. Our, the number of Armenians is growing. We have more population. So with that comes more special needs kids. So there's all these kids that are Armenian that are special needs that, like my son, will never get a chance to play. And there's no venue for them in Homenetmen. So Hurashk, uh, again, shout out to the organizers, our Western regional, and all the members who put, I mean, thankless hours of job, I mean, to, you know, Oh, yeah. putting these things together. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a thanks job for them. It's a lose-lose yeah. situation. No one's ever Tough. happy at the end. But, I mean, <laughs> they, they put this chapter together. It's called Homenetmen Hurashk. And basically what it is, it's... Uh, uh, special needs uh, kids uh, chapter so any Armenian or you know if you have a special needs kid and uh, you want them to go and participate whether it's track and field basketball soccer or whatnot um, now we have a venue where it's getting organized and we have practices we have uniforms and these kids come out and and you should just see the, the smile on their faces the fact that they're oh, on yeah. a basketball court <laughs> wearing a home and jersey they shooting um, playing and running it's just amazing. And you know what? I think it's also good for the parents, you know, because they don't they have an opportunity. Hey, you know what? At least I'm doing something for my son or daughter, you know, that I wasn't able to before. And thank you to Home and Man. Now I can, you know. So I think it's an amazing, amazing chapter. I'm involved personally with it as I coach my son and I try to help out the, uh, the Harash chapter as much as I can. Um, but I think, you know, it's good to bring awareness, um, especially in, the, in our Armenian community that it's okay to have a special needs uh, child you know it happens it's part of life but let's it's our job to give them the best quality of life to the special needs kids so at home and harash gets another venue or avenue for us to to do that for our children so it's an amazing organization again i thank the chapter i thank home and man all the volunteers um, who do such an amazing job putting it together and um, every year it's getting better and better and we're getting more volunteers and and if you're a young person old person doesn't matter if you want to volunteer um, reach out to the Haras uh, chapter. You know they're always looking for volunteers to help with you know with these kids and with the practices, and it's very fulfilling. You'll enjoy it. Definitely. I mean, we the greatest part about sports, I think, is that it has no boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Ninety-year-old man, five-year-old kid, doesn't matter who you are. Uh, you find a way to love the game in your own way. Yeah. Uh, and that's the beauty of this whole thing. So, oh, yeah. hopefully, uh, you know we people see this and hopefully they want to reach out and help as much as they can. So looking forward to that. Uh, 
we're almost wrapping up the episode, Carlo. Uh, just a few more things that I, we'd like to get your thoughts on. Uh, NBA thoughts. Uh, I know you're a big time uh, early Lakers fan, but with the current state of the NBA, uh, I know you're probably still a Lakers fan, but what do you think about the whole uh, resumption of the season? Who you got winning? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be biased. I'm a (laughs) diehard Laker fan, so I want to say that, you know, we're going to win this year. But I really like our chances. I think we have a good squad. Um, I think this rest actually helps us a lot because LeBron is older and... Uh, yeah. AD is you know injury prone, so he got a chance to heal up, and we got a veteran bunch, and uh, you know, I think we have a really good shot. Uh, Milwaukee is going to be tough. Uh, the Clippers are going to be really tough. Yeah. Um, they're 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 loaded, and uh, they got seven players who can hit a game winning shot. I mean, they're just <laughs> they're loaded. Um, they all play defense. They too. play defense yeah. again. It goes back to versatile players. You know, who do you cheat off of? You can't really cheat off of anybody. You know, yeah. and you know, Mo, Mo Williams can hit a game winner or Paul George could or Kawhi could or, you know, even their bigs, you know, they're talented. So mm. it's uh, it's a tough team. So that, they're going to be tough. Um, like Milwaukee in the East. Uh, but I think they're not going to have enough to win. I think because Jan is, uh, is not enough, I think he needs another player with him. And uh, he doesn't have a good number or a strong enough number two. I think Middleton is their second mm-hmm. best player. I don't know if that's going to be enough. I think you need to have two superstars or yeah. a superstar level. Um, I like Houston to be a dark horse in the playoffs because in a short tournament, they got two yeah. superstars, Harden and, and, and Westbrook. They play small ball, kind of similar to our Mossy's team. I think they're going to have a good chance, but I just don't think they have enough size. I think getting rid of Capella, I, oh, I wouldn't have done yeah. it. Like You need that one big to rebound, and mm-hmm. you can't just have six five centers in the NBA. Yeah, um, so I think that's going to hurt them eventually. Speaking of NBA, we saw a few pictures of these NBA guys coming to <laughs> oh, your yeah. practice. Yeah, you, the notable got, Mossy's practices. You got to yeah. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, we were lucky enough. Uh, we play in several leagues throughout the year, and we got to know some of these NBA, ex-NBA players mm-hmm. like Nick Young, Dante Jones. Um, Al Harrington was coming for a while. And, uh, you know, they're running these leagues, so we became friends with them and they're really nice guys, and a lot of them live in the valley. Mm-hmm. And we, our gym is at Chatsworth, so Canoga Park. So, you know, got their numbers, and, you know, a couple of the guys that are the main guys that we always invite. Um, they like to come in on Booby Gibson, mm-hmm. played for the Cavs. He comes once in a while. Um, and the guys love it, you know. And I like to spice up the practices. You know, guys get tired of seeing playing against each other. I'm sure <laughs> you guys know what the R-Rod practices. Yeah. You go up against each other, every, you know, twice a week or yeah, every week, tough. and it's like... Kind of gets boring after a while, so I try to spice it up a little bit. And what better than going up against NBA players um, in practice? Yeah, and, it, <laughs> and that's a great change of yeah, pace. Yeah, <laughs> and so the guys like they love it. Yeah, you know? they're 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 early for practices. They're ready. They're oh. you know, stretching. You know, they you know it's they'll sure. bring their A game. They'll yeah, treat they bring their like A game. Any scrimmage like a yeah, real art, and those scrimmages are like they're like games. Yeah. Art scrimmages are like games. I mean, we go at it because those NBA guys maybe they're not playing at hundred percent. But they don't want to lose. Yeah. yeah, they do not want to lose. And then once we you know it starts getting competitive, <laughs> it gets really competitive. And again, I think it's just the whole culture of of, of the the team is you want to basically demand greatness. So if we're gonna be if we're gonna be great, you want to play against great players. You know, we want to play against better players, much better players, so that we get better. You know, once you think that you know you're too good, then that's it. You're done. You always have to have that uh, humble yeah. attitude that. Have confidence that you are good, 
but not be cocky. There's a there's a subtle difference, you know, Definitely. not too subtle, I would say, but uh, you want to be confident, but not cocky. And I think playing against those guys, it's, it's really good for getting us better and better prepared to play at the Moneman awesome Games. Experience. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, just uh, no. <laughs> the last couple of questions that I got for you. So I want to get your top five home and men players of all time. Oh, I know you've been oh, around wow. so many different guys. Oh, but wow. That's just top so tough. five. And I'll do what I did with Z. You don't have to go in uh, just so position tough. order. You can just name five. Oh, man. Don't do that to me. That's just. Wow. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to eliminate a lot of players if they haven't played long enough or duration of time. Uh, because there's a lot of talented players right now, but they're fairly new, or they just played one or two tournaments or two years. Um, I would start off, you know, wow, that's tough. Mike Donelian, uh, Sako Bayan, best power forward ever. Little Z, Big Z, got to put them in there based on the length of time, their talent, their championships. And the fifth one, uh, that's, wow. I mean, I've coached and coached against such great players, wow. You can throw, I don't know, Jerry Armand there, the Kuchoff brothers, Narbir from Arad. Uh, wow, that's, that's a tough one, man. Big Robert, probably the best center for me, most winning a center. He won seven championships. Um, there's just so many great players, man. That's, that's, that's a tough one. I don't know about my fifth. But uh, I've, been, I've been fortunate, man. I've gone through many years of great players coaching with and against, so. I think I would go with those guys. We'll wrap it up. I'll give you the platform once again. If there's any last words that you want to say, I know you just mentioned it, but if you want to shout out anything, uh, this is all you. Well, I want to thank you guys for doing this. This is amazing. And uh, for your time, for, for all this effort that you're putting to get this thing done. I think it's amazing. Um, I want to thank all my former players and current players for all your hard work. Uh, the opponents that I've coached against, the coaches I've coached against. I mean, I've just been an amazing ride that I've had. So I'm so thankful and blessed that I've had the opportunity. Um, to the new generation, just keep working hard. Um, play unselfish, play high IQ, play team basketball with a lot of passion. Respect one another, respect your coaches, uh, respect your teammates, your parents. Um, love God, pray. Always be thankful for what you have. And uh, also for the Harash chapter, I wish them the most pleasant, you know, I, I wish them that they have a lot of volunteers and a lot of success. And for those of you guys that have time to go and volunteer and, and help out the chapter because it's a great organization, it's a great cause, and uh, you'll enjoy it. So thank you, guys. Words to live by, guys. That's about it for episode two, guys. Thanks again for watching. Uh, Hit that subscribe button like we always tell you guys because we got new episodes coming out. But thank you again to Carlo. This was a great one, thank guys. You. Uh, thank you. We'll see you guys next time. This is Off the Court. Peace. Take care.